What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Face Off with Chris. I am Christy Francesco, um, and it has been an eventful uh, day. It is Thursday. What is this? Um, January 21st. The Philadelphia Eagles have finally, after it seems like exhausting every possible name uh, out in the market, the Eagles go out and they get their man, uh, former, now former, uh, Indianapolis Colts offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni. He is coming in here, uh, on a multi-year deal, obviously, um, to coach the Philadelphia Eagles after the departing, um, Doug Peterson, who spent what, um, five years with the Philadelphia Eagles, four years, uh, three years ago, he won, um, Obviously, the, the Super Bowl and things didn't end so well, as we all have seen. But uh, after interviewing what seems like, what, 25 guys, the Philadelphia Eagles finally um, got the the guy that they wanted for the last few days. It seemed like that the Eagles were going to go towards Josh McDaniels. Uh, There's a lot of people who want to do Staley. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about that as we get further along in this, if, if I remember. Um, but then out of nowhere... Uh, earlier this week, it was reported that the the Colts OC uh, Sirianni was going to be interviewing with the with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, and uh, it looked like the the interview went uh, into two days, uh, and that that was, you know, uh, that was enough for for Mr. Lurie and and Howie Roseman to to name um, uh, Nick Sirianni, the thirty nine year old, soon to be forty years old. Um, uh, to be the new coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. So Eagles Jeffrey uh, owner Jeffrey Lurie has never hired a coach who has had NFL head coaching experience. You know, when he first bought the team, became the owner, his first NFL coach uh, was Ray Rhodes, who just so happened to be the last defensive, uh, defensive-minded head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Ray Rhodes, you know, went 10 and 6. I think he even won a playoff game uh, with the Eagles, I believe, in 95. Uh, you know, he went 10 and 6. I think he won coach of the year. Uh, then, of course, we know uh, he went on to, to hire, uh, what was he, the quarterback's coach for Green Bay at the time, uh, Andy Reid, who, you know, I, I can't name four better coaches in the history of the NFL uh, at this point than Andy Reid. Uh, Chip Kelly, uh, you know, won coach of the year, uh, won 20 games in his first uh, two seasons, um, obviously that didn't end well, but still it was the prized coaching, um, gem crown jewel, uh, as Jason Miller would say at the time. So the Eagles got him. He was very successful in the beginning. Um, then Doug Peterson, you know, won a super bowl, uh, won quite a few football games. Uh, obviously the last two or three years since the super bowl have not gone the way that they've wanted them to go. Uh, but nonetheless, you got a super bowl. Uh, out of this. So Jeffrey Lurie kind of knows what he's doing uh, when it comes to head coaches of all the things that we can criticize Jeffrey Lurie about, uh, uh, especially uh, since the firing of Doug Peterson, you know, people talk about how he's a more silent Jerry Jones. Um, there's one thing we, we, we can't criticize uh, Mr. Lurie uh, about is his decisions on who he hires as a head coach for, for his football team. Um, 
So, you know, that these are just some of the words, a couple coaching sources who have, who have come out on social media to various Philadelphia media members. Um, you know, these are coaching source sources who have worked very closely with the, the new Eagles coach. Um, you know, here are some of the great characteristics of Sirianni and, and why he will be successful in Philadelphia. The words that were used were brilliant, passion, uh, juice, strong character, strong leader, and great teacher. Um, that uh, is just some of the words that um, that that people have used to describe him. You know, Adam Schefter, uh, you know, uh, uh, broke the news first. I, I, I believe it was like right before the two o'clock hour. I think it was right at uh, like one fifty eight, one fifty nine in the afternoon. Um you know, Sirianni spent three seasons as a Chiefs assistant coach. He spent five years with the Chargers and the past three with the Colts. So now he's the uh, the lead man uh, in Philadelphia. And to kind of go back uh, to what I was saying about Jeffrey Lurie earlier, the Eagles have 23 playoff wins in franchise history. Uh, 15 of them have been won by coaches that Jeff Lurie hired. Obviously, Big Red has 10. Doug has four. Um, you know, Dick Vermeil with three. Greasy Neal, three. Ray Rhodes, one. Rich Cotite, one. Can't even believe Rich Cotite got one. And then Buckshaw um, has the other. Uh, a couple things that you, you – the for those of you who maybe not have read so much online and are listening to my, my show, which is, you know, thank you very much. Um, or if you haven't listened too much to talk radio, uh, a little bit of a background uh, of Nick Sirianni as a college player. Um, you know, he, he was a star for the NCAA division three powerhouse Mount Vern, uh, Mount union college in Alliance, Ohio. Um, you know, Mount union won seven NCAA division three titles between 1993 and 2002. Um, Sirianni was on three of those teams. His senior year, he caught 52 passes for 998 yards and 13 touchdowns. Um, his biggest game was a four for 164 performance and a 55 seven win over Ohio Northern, including a 73 yard touchdown catch from Zach Bruni. Uh, his 19.6 uh, career average in terms of yards ranks fifth in school history. Uh, he spent one year playing for the Canton Legends of the Atlantic Indoor Football League before starting his coaching career back at his alma mater in the fall of 2006. Um, so during his 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 three years as offensive coordinator with the Indianapolis Colts to kind of jump forward a little bit. Um, the Colts ranked eighth in the NFL in scoring, which was just a, a, a smidge under 26 points per game uh, and went 28 and 20, reaching the playoffs twice, despite having three different starting quarterbacks. Uh, they ranked fifth in points and seventh in yards in 2018 under uh, Andrew Luck's leadership uh, and ninth in points and 10th in yards this past year with the 39 year old Philip Rivers, a quarterback. Um, they were 16th and 25th in 2019 with Jacoby Brissett uh, starting. Um, so there's, there's a lot to like, uh, about this guy, you know, Brandon Brooks uh, came out the, 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 you know, the, the all pro guard uh, for the Eagles. Uh, he said, if he's at least half the man, Frank, uh, he being Frank Reich, we've got a good one. Uh, Brandon says Frank Reich and Jim Schwartz were really there for him uh, and reaching out when he went through his injury and anxiety issues. Uh, so there's, there's so much to like, there's so much meat on the bone. Um, about this Nick Sirianni hire. Um, you know, there's, there's a big thing going out there that he didn't call his own plays uh, in Indianapolis. That was all uh, Frank Reich. However, Frank Reich has been very adamant um, 
for giving uh, Sirianni immense amount of credit for coming up with the entire game plans uh, for for his team. Uh, so that's that's a huge deal when when you're looking um, at, at this guy coming in. Is yes, did he? I mean, no, did he? Did he call plays? No, he did not. Okay, so he, he didn't call the plays. Um, he, but if he's credited for building the game plan that becomes as successful as it was, then I I can't see. I can't see a down a downfall here. And obviously you're going to have a lot of people come out and start saying that this is all about Carson Wentz. Uh, this is uh, about coming in here strictly just to, to fix him uh, because uh, uh, Sirianni is known to be a, a, a quarterback and a wide receiver guy. Um, you know, Lurie and Howie, be, uh, you know, believe heavily in Wentz, which is what, you know, probably – made Sirianni so enticing. You know, he worked with luck after having multiple career jeopardizing shoulder surgeries. Uh, he helped him reach a career high, uh, like 68% completion percentage and just about 40 touchdowns. Um, he helped rivers, Philip rivers in his final season, in the NFL, um, attain his highest completion percentage of his career at 69 and a half percent. Um, so, you know, everyone thought Harry Roseman, um, was going to send Carson Wentz to the Colts. Instead, he went out and brought the Colts to Carson Wentz. This is chess, not checkers, my friends. So uh, it's a, a lot going on here. Uh, I was going to go over – I'm going to see if I can uh, pull this up here. I was going to go over, you know, the five good things uh, about this hire and maybe the five uh, troubling things. Um, so let me see if I can pull this up here. It was a really good article. Um, by um, Elliot Shore Parks, and I know I'm I'm not look a fan uh, of Elliot Shore Parks at all, uh, but I thought this was the best part, uh, the best piece he's ever done. Um, so you know, obviously there was negatives of you know can he lead? Um, when the Eagles hired Doug Peterson, needless to say, he came with some concerns. Um, one of the concerns was if he was ready to lead the team. It was something nobody. You know, watching the process from the outside knew, but ultimately ended up being, you know, his best quality was leading this team. Uh, his players uh, would go through, you know, the, the proverbial wall for him, which was, uh, which was very, very blatant that we saw. Um, I wouldn't say near the end of this past season, but definitely through the first, you know, eight to 10 weeks of this season, this, this team worked so hard for him. Uh, you know, perhaps Sirianni will have that X factor that Peterson had. Uh, the Eagles surely don't know. I mean, no one knows right now, but considering uh, he has never been a head coach, it is fair to wonder uh, how he will handle that Eagles locker room, especially the very complicated situation they have at quarterback. Uh, another problem, obviously, is um, he hasn't called plays. And we've already heard that probably at nauseum now by this point. Um, to me, it, the good news is Sirianni will presumably call plays. It, the, the fact that he's hired. Uh, the bad news is that he's never done it. Uh, he might have helped build the offensive Indianapolis, which, you know, obviously uh, we've already discussed, but building it and calling plays are obviously two different things. Uh, the, you know, the, the Eagles have no idea how Sirianni will do calling plays until he actually does it. And by then it, it will be too late. You know, if, if he can't handle that pressure of calling plays, but we don't know if they're going to hire an offensive coordinator to be the play caller. Um, for him. Um, 
but we're we're definitely going to see and another negative that that ESP had that I wasn't I didn't quite understand because it looks like it's kind of like the trend of where the NFL is going is the fact that he's young. I mean, he's 40 years old. Uh, Andy Reid, I think, had just turned 40 when he was hired. Um, Doug was a couple years older. Um, obviously, Chip was was younger. Uh, just, you know, look at the way the NFL is going right now. Uh, you know, Sean McVay is, is super young. Um, Kyle Shanahan, or I'm sorry, yeah, Kyle, yeah, Kyle Shanahan isn't obviously that 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 much older um you know he's gonna be 40 years old um you know his age is definitely noteworthy especially since he has never been a head coach before um there will be coaches on the staff that is older than he is uh so um thankfully there won't be any players on the roster older than he is unless the the eagles do the unthinkable and that's bring back jason peters which i which i doubt um you know, it isn't as extreme as as Joe Brady, which a lot of people wanted, and he's 31 years old. Um, but for a team that has a ton of problems and tough dynamics to work with, Sirianni's age might be a concern. It's not. It's definitely nothing um, that that bothers me at all. The positives he helped build the Colts' offense, which we which we said. Um, you know, top 10, the Colts were top 10 of both points and yards in 2018 and 2020. Um, he seems to be a, a quarterback whisperer with what he did with Andrew Luck coming off those big injuries and the surgeries, um, which ultimately led to, to Luck exiting uh, the sport earlier than anyone would have ever uh, imagined. And then what he did with, with Phillip Rivers in his final season uh, in the NFL, uh, he was the most efficient that he's ever been in his entire career. Um with Indianapolis. Um, you know, he brings the same kind of upside as, as Frank Reich and has the potential to come to Philly and fix a broken offense. Uh, you know, in 2016 and 17, you know, this is the disciple of Frank Reich and Reich, you know, built the offense with Doug Peterson in, in those two years, including the Super Bowl year. Um, the Colts took a chance on Reich and it's worked out. Obviously we, we look at this as a little bit of a riskier hire. Um, but like I said, I think he brings the same kind of kind of upside. He has a great track record with quarterbacks, like we've already talked about. This is a big positive. Um, the Eagles were, I mean, they didn't come out and say it, but they've they were very adamant. Um, you know, through some quotes with with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, how adamant they were about you know their investment uh, and how much they believe in Carson Wentz. So the Eagles, you know, wanted a coach that can fix their quarterback position, and and Sirianni checks off a lot of those boxes. Uh, he's gotten, you know, like we said, the career years out of Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers. Um, in 2018, after missing all of 2017, uh, Luck threw for 39 touchdowns and had a 99 passer rating, career high. Um, so that's that's unbelievable. And, and, you know, although Frank Reich certainly deserves some of the credit for that as well, it seems that Sirianni helping build the offense, um, quarterback's, have that success. Another good thing is he's coached multiple positions. You know, he might only be 39, but he's had a pretty long and impressive resume uh, for a young coach prior to coming to the NFL. Uh, he coached defensive backs in college. He then moved to the NFL in 2009, uh, spending uh, time coaching both quarterbacks and wide receivers. Um, you know, the two most important positions that the Eagles are in need of right now. Um so the, the two positions the Eagles need help at perhaps more than any other on the field is the quarterback and wide receiver. He hasn't had experience as a top guy, but in terms of the positions you would want Sirianni to specialize in, 
having a strong track record, man, really helps when it's with the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. So where I'm at with this, obviously opinions change after like a week or so, right? Because a week ago we were told it was realistically, it was going to be either um, uh, Josh McDaniels or uh, Deuce Daly. So Josh McDaniels, I think, I I didn't know what to think. Out of the two between him and, and Deuce, I wanted McDaniels. And obviously I think that would have ended up being probably a nightmare uh, based on the track record of McDaniels. At least he's had experience. I don't, I'm not understanding. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the, the only thing, the only reason why people want to Staley is for the main reasons is because, you know, he's been in Philadelphia for a long time, but he has zero track record of leading a team. He leads running backs and, you know, it's, it's, you know, his rotation this past season with running backs was not good. Um, I mean, it's, it, I can't always necessarily blame him because, um, you know, Doug does, didn't believe in running the football rarely ever. Um, but when, when, when you look at Deuce Daly, how come nobody else in the last five, six years have been reaching out to the Eagles to interview Deuce Daly? It's not like he's, tur- he's going to turn interviews down. You know, if he's getting interviewed to get a, big pay raise to go be a head coach somewhere. He's going to take it, but nobody else in the NFL is interviewing Deuce Daly. And that, you know, for, you know, this is a team in transition. This is a team that you need somebody to come in here and, and fix, you know, the, uh, uh, I still believe in elite talented uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, they just need weapons around him. I don't, I don't think Deuce Staley is the kind of guy that can come in here and do that. He's never run an offense. Whereas Sirianni might not be calling plays, but he's building offensive game plans. He's producing. He's going out there and working with quarterbacks, working with wide receivers, working with um, the head coaches to create a game plan that can work. Deuce Staley's never done that. Yeah, they gave him the title of assistant head coach, but that's like being an assistant to the regional manager in the office. It's... Really, it's just a, a, a good-looking title to maybe attract interviews if if he was ever to move on. But I really just don't look at Deuce Staley as the answer here. The Eagles needed to go outside the box. Um, the Eagles needed to go outside of the organization. They needed to find somebody who can come in here, and, you know, who's been – you know, working with a, a top offense for quite a few years. And he's done that. He's even, he's come from the Andy Reid coaching tree. He's, he's gone to Frank Reich, who a lot of people were really ticked off about when they just let him walk um, to become uh, uh, a head coach. But, you know, that was the last time that this Eagles offense was really dynamic and, and really innovative and creative. And that's the rap on Sirianni is that he's, not innovative. You're never going to innovate or recreate the wheel in football. That happened before with Chip Kelly, and he's barely in football anymore. It just doesn't work like that. Football will always kind of like be the same. You just got to be a little bit creative in how you go about it. Uh, Doug, that's the problem with Doug. Doug won a Super Bowl in 2017, and his brain and his mindset of football stayed in 2017 as his team got worse and worse and worse. And, you know, I'm not sure. I don't care what any fan says. We weren't in those rooms. I don't care what any dumbass media member says. They weren't in those rooms either. I'm not sure if Doug was a complete yes man or Doug, you know, I don't want to use the word 
his intelligence level. I'm not sure if he was smart enough to, as a head coach, to be able to say, no, I want to do it this way. I think he just listened to too many people. And I think that ended up being his downfall. But that also tells me that for the last couple of years, he wasn't willing to say, hey, I need this, this, and this. You got to get that for me. We're in trouble. You know, I, I didn't hear stories of Doug going to Howie and saying, you know, get me a wide receiver like Justin Jefferson or DK Metcalf or Debo Samuel. Um, and, you know, I, we can't have guys like Jalen Rager or JJ Ortega Whiteside, you know, get me those guys. But then Doug's also the kind of guy who's making a game plan and with a team with no offensive line and a struggling quarterback wants to throw the ball 45, 50 times a game and run the ball 15 times a game. That there's a lot of things that were against Doug. Uh, I don't blame him for all of it. I still blame him for maybe 50 to 60% of this. So I would still say more than half of the blame I'd put on Doug um, because he didn't adapt. He didn't, he didn't elevate his game uh, as a head coach. Uh, you know, he used to be a guy that, uh, uh, you know, had, you know, testicular fortitude that, but then it just became dumb decisions like not kicking extra points or not taking the points and going forward on fourth and fives and fourth and six with zero weapons on the field. Um, you know, two point conversions nonstop. It just got to a point where he was costing the Eagles games. He was costing them points. Um, and it wasn't just a, the players lack of execution, you know, football coaching goes a long way. And you hear that when you see players on, on Twitter that, that go in there and, and talk about the game. And, and they talk about what it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers was on, you know, the Pat McAfee show uh, a month ago, a little over a month ago in December. And after they played the, the, the Eagles and he said, um, he, he, he was saying things like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Carson's issues might be the product of what's around him. Um, um, and that's basically what, when you have a, top three of all time quarterback telling you that live on, on a show that's going to be everywhere. It makes sense. That means other players, especially superstar players at his, at Carson's position are noticing what the problem might be. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that's where I am. And you bring in a guy like Sirianni, who's known to obviously like we've gone over already to be really good with quarterbacks and bring him in and try your best. And it, it, it starts with the draft as well. And you got to go in there and you got to draft. You got to go on the free agency and do whatever you can with the salary cap to get some money to, to bring in other weapons. Um, do you keep Zach Ertz around for another year and you work with, and you, you do the two tight end set that, that worked well for a while. Um, uh, it, it, it's like, what, what, what do you do? You got to get another receiver in here. The Eagles right now, to me, have Travis Fulgham, who's a three or four at best. Greg Ward, a four at best. He's a good, you know, he'd be a good punt returner, kick returner with uh, Jalen Rager. Um, Arthega Whiteside probably won't even be on the team next year. Um, you know, Deshaun, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if, if Deshaun is going to be back. You know, Alshon, I'm sure probably won't be back. Uh, so you need to get some guys in here. And you hope that Sirianni had brings a game plan where, you know, if you're going to get Wentz back in the rhythm, you know, you gotta, you gotta run the football. Uh, first and foremost, you got to protect Carson Wentz. You gotta, you gotta pray that that offensive line uh, is healthy. Um, 
and you just, that's you know you just got to go from there. There's a lot of things that got to change in this team. I do think this team will be much better in 2021 than they were uh, this past season. I'm not saying they're going to be a 12 win team. I'm not, definitely not going to say that, but they're in an awful division to where, you know, eight, nine wins um, might not be the worst prediction, right? Um, depending on what they do in the draft, I, I think the Eagles can, can definitely be, you know, it, uh, eight to 10 win team. I mean, if you look at, again, you have eight games against the division. Right. And if you look at some of the, the matchups they have next year, um, it's going to be they there are some wins out there, man. There's there's definitely some 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 wins that could be had out there that can push them over the edge. You know, if you can win six of eight in a division, which based on obviously what we've seen, that's not too far fetched. Can they get three to four wins elsewhere out of the division? If Carson Wentz is, and I've said this so to you know uh, my buddy Sean, who has been on the show before, I've said this to Jay. All I think people are looking for, even people within the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, I, I think the only thing they're looking for is for Carson Wentz to be the 2019 Wentz. If Carson is the 2019 of himself, one, he's going to get MVP votes. Two. The, the jackass fan base is going to be all over him again and being so happy, like, oh, he's the greatest thing ever. And then all the, the douchebags that rips him every single day are going to go quiet into the night, just like they always do, because Jimmy Rollins said it, fair weather fans, they're just awful. And it's just, you're never going to win in this town regardless of what you do. And I still stand by the fact that, you know, Carson will never be appreciated in this town until he wins a single playoff game, uh, leads a team to the playoffs and wins a playoff game. So that that's what's going to happen. But if he's a 2019 Carson Wentz, they're going to be a 10 win team. Uh, I think the defense is good. I think the defense will probably get better uh, in the draft. Um, you know, defense was pretty decent. Uh, I don't know who their defensive coordinator is going to be with Jim Schwartz going. We don't know something like that yet. Uh, we also just don't know who the coaching staff is going to be uh, for the offensive side. But one thing that people have said uh, that no, you know, out of Indianapolis that know Sirianni well, um, he's going to build a really good group of coaches around him. And that's that's realistically, that's going to be a massive thing, man. It looks like uh, Jeff Stoutland's going to stay around. I, I assume it looks like he's going to stay around um, for the for the Eagles. If I had to pick between Stoutland and Deuce, Deuce can, can go. And I look, I have nothing against Deuce Staley. But I just don't think he brings a ridiculous amount of success and to the Philadelphia Eagles in his current role. Uh, can he be an offensive coordinator? Maybe. I don't think Sirianni is going to move that way. Um, but it, it, look, I, I don't care who it is. If, if, if no one else is interviewing Deuce, you know, we're really late in the game here. We're getting into February. There's not a ridiculous amount of job openings right now in the NFL. Uh, only the 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 Texans are the team that doesn't have a coach. Um, I don't know who the hell would want to coach that nightmare. They're about to lose a franchise quarterback, um, a, a superstar in the NFL. I think he just was a leading passer in the NFL this year, and they're not even going to. So within two years, they lost DeAndre Hopkins and, and um, Deshaun Watson. It's incredible. Um, so overall, before I, I hop off this topic, uh, I think the Sirianni move is is great has the potential to be great. Um, 
I think the Eagles, again, depending on the draft, depending on Carson Wentz, can be right back in the fold of, you know, maybe playing in an NFC championship game within three years. You know, a lot can happen in three years. You know, um, a lot can go wrong in three years, like we just saw, but a lot can go right in three years. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan right now. I believe in Mr. Lurie when it comes to picking head coaches. Um, I'm sure he got a lot of input from so many people about Nick Sirianni. I'm sure he had a nice, long, long phone call uh, or Zoom call. I don't know what, what they probably did. Uh, with Frank Reich, I'm sure they talked to uh, Andy Reid uh, and a bunch of other people. Um, around around the league. There was one um, really I- impressive tweet that I saw, and that is uh, from Field Yates, I believe it was. Let me uh, go find that one real quick. But um, he had some amazing things to say uh, about Yates, so let me go find it here. Field Yates. Here it is. Uh, Nick Sariani and I were both hired uh, the same year in Kansas City when he was the offensive uh, quarterbacks coach. That dude worked and worked and worked tirelessly, taking on any task asked. He earned the respect of everyone around him, coaches and players alike. Eagles got a good one. Um, so let's go. <laughs> let's let's get the quarterback fixed. Let's convince uh, Howie to draft a top wide receiving target, maybe sign a top receiving uh, option in the off in the off season, um, or at least someone that doesn't break the bank. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And then, you know, get an offensive game plan, get the right coaches in here. Um, and let's get back to playing uh, winning Philadelphia Eagles football. So let's go really quick. Let's go. I want to go to the Phillies. Um, so a lot's been happening over the last week or so, you know, like two, three weeks ago, if you would have said to me, the Eagle that, uh, you know, it's middle of January or less than a month before pitchers and catchers uh, report to spring training down in Clearwater, Florida and DD Gregorius and JT real Muto are still a huge possibility for the, for the Phillies. I probably would have been very hesitant to agree with you on that. However, you know, as I sit here on January 21st, on a Thursday, I can probably pretty confidently tell everyone that uh, JT Real Muto will be re-signing with the Philadelphia Phillies uh, with a long-term deal. I do believe, and I know uh, it's been already uh, talked about how the, the the Phillies have been in contact, been keeping in touch uh, with um, D.D. Gregorius. I, I think that's a must, an absolute must, uh, is to get – uh, D.D. Gregorius. I wish they would have done it a lot earlier than waiting to, you know, a month before um, spring training starts. I would have loved to, the, the, the Phillies to have their starting shortstop, who was just really good uh, last year for, for the Phillies. Um, obviously, we didn't get to get a full year out of out of D.D. Gregorius, but, you know, what he brought from a leadership standpoint, what he brought, you know, offensively. And look, he he's turning 31 February 18th. It's not like he's 35, 36 years old. Um, you know, last season, you know, he had 250, 215 at-bats, you know, 40 RBIs, about a 285, 61 hits. Um, it, he, I just I just personally thought 
that he was such an effective, uh, important player. And if they would have made the playoffs, uh, I think he would have been um, even more uh, important there because of his he's had playoff experience. Um, so the, to me, within the next couple weeks, I I do see uh, JT Real Muto, and I see DD um, uh, coming back as well, probably on a one or two year deal. Um, I mean, last year it. You know, Didi Gregorius led the team in RBIs with 40 RBIs. Uh, he led the team in total bases with 105. Uh, he was tied for third in the team with 10 home runs. Um, he was just so good. He really was. And that's a player that I think is really needed. He played all 60 games. I just feel like he's a guy that's a necessity for this team. Uh, it's unfortunate they didn't do anything about center field. I do know Dom Dombrowski has said that there is wiggle room there to spend some money or make some deals. I'm not sure if they're in the market for a center fielder. It looks like to me they're really going to let um, Adam Hazley, who I don't like in center field, Raymond Quinn, I like in center field, but he's just – look, no offense to him, but he's he's made of glass. He just can't be trusted. Um, Sean, you know, Scott Kingery is probably going to be – the, the guy they're going to look for in center field. Uh, and I don't mind that. I thought Scott worked really hard to be a center fielder. You know, it's not easy just to, you know, I've been playing center field all my life, obviously not the pro level, but you know, I've been playing center field one position my whole life. I know it's not, you know, you can't just throw a, an everyday shortstop out in center field and be like, Hey, go have fun. You know, there is no, you know, everything hit to a center field. There is fair, you know, there, that that's it. You know, you, you got to be on your horse. You got to go, you got to, you, you got to know where your, your left and your right fielders are because you're the captain out there. The center fielders are the captains of the outfield. There's a lot of balls going out that way. Gaps, left center, right center. You got to be able to call. You got to be able to be, you have to be the center fielder is also the guy that can, is able the ability to read the ball, the best off the bat. His reaction time has to be the best of any outfielder. Um, so, so much has to go into being a successful center fielder. In the beginning, Scott Kingery was just pretty much balls of the wall type guy. He didn't really know the ins and outs of center field. And you can kind of tell when he, how he was tracking balls and how some routine catches didn't look too routine for him. Um, but week after week, you know, when you spend every single day in this in that position, these are pro athletes. You know, they're part of that less than one percent of the world that can play that that play that sport. They're going to adapt if they really give a damn. And Scott Kingery, I thought, really cared about becoming a, a an effective center fielder. And he did. And I really enjoyed I trusted him. At some point, I ball was at the center field. All right, good. Routine out. If it was a tough ball, I I felt he was going to track it right. And if he had to lay out for it, then he would have. So I I appreciate um, Scott Kingery's um, chutzpah. To, to learn that position. So, um, so, uh, that's probably where they're going and center field for now. I haven't heard them about going after any kind of center fielder that I know of. Obviously George Springer wasn't going to be an option. He just signed, um, a big deal with the, with the blue Jays, Michael Brantley probably wasn't going to be a center field option. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there, uh, not with his injury history. Uh, he, you know, uh, re-signed with the Astros. Uh, the only other guy 
with any, I mean, Sterling Marte, they could try to maybe deal with. Marcelo Zuna is going to go somewhere and make probably more money than he should get, but he's not a center fielder. God, Marcelo Zuna would be a wonderful bat in the, in the, in the Phillies lineup, but not sure, you know, in left field, you still have McCutcheon on this last year, that big deal. Um, and McCutcheon when healthy is super productive offensively. Um, and it can still play, um, left field very, very well. Um, so other than that, I just don't see the Eagles really, I'm just going to keep thinking Eagles. I don't really see the Phillies, um, going after anyone significant in center field. I think they're going to try to keep that in house, which really kind of irks me a little bit because it doesn't seem like they, they value that position too well since the exit of, uh, you know, Shane Victorino, you know, years ago, um, you know, they could get Ben attendee in here. Um, not sure if he's a center fielder, but I know he can probably play the outfield and they can probably put him out there. Uh, he's a young, quick guy. He's got, he, he's a good, he's good defensively. He's not a liability. Um, Jackie Bradley jr. Was a name that people said I would like him out in center field as well. Um, definitely a very good defensive player. Um, wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, that could, that's still up in the air. We don't know. You still got a month, uh, before spring training. So a lot of, a lot of moving parts can still occur. I think, you know, within the next couple of weeks, you are going to see a lot, a lot of players on the move, whether it's trades. I still think the Phillies are, are not done with their rotation. They're not done with the bullpen. Um, but the important thing is, and I let off with this when I started talking about the Phillies, the important thing is they are going to get um, JT Real Muto and I think Didi Gregorius back, and that is huge. All right, last thing before I hop on out of here, and once again, guys, this is Face Off with Chris. Thank you very much for, for tuning in um, for Enterprise Sports, and you guys can follow uh, Dan and Doug uh, at Enterprise Sports. That's uh, enter and then prize, P-R-I-Z-E. Like you've just won a prize. Like maybe I win the prize of the mega millions tonight, but I obviously, I doubt it. Um, the flyers, uh, you know, as I am recording this show, I'm, I'm watching the game right in front of me. They're in overtime against the Bruins. Um, you know, when, when the flyers lost, what six to one, um, when they lost six to one, uh, everybody was, or six, nothing. Everybody was absolutely losing their minds if they're winning the first two games against Pittsburgh. And then they go and they, they literally get blown out by Buffalo, uh, where I've never, I haven't seen a team that disinterested to play hockey in a long time. Um, but you know what? It happens. You know, the, the, the Flyers were going to go 56 and oh, and you know, Buffalo came in right off the bat, ready to go. Um, and they just took advantage of it and that was it. Um, one. And then the very next night, the, the good thing about this is the, the, the positive thing about Elaine Vigneault is that he gets those players to have, you know, really short term memory. Uh, they came out the next night against Buffalo and dominated, uh, the Sabres and shut them out. It was a great game by Moose, uh, Brian Elliott, um, Carter Hart was, is back in net tonight for the Flyers and he's you know, surrendered four goals. It hasn't looked good for him at all. Uh, but, you know, these are the kind of games you need him to, to you know, be in there to persevere um, against a team like the Bruins, uh, a huge rival for the Flyers. But when you, when you look at this team, man, you know, Travis Konechny has been an absolute stud in these first four games or so. Um, 
Claude Giroux uh, finally got on the scoring board uh, today uh, or tonight against Boston. Uh, I think he's got four or five points now on the season uh, with that one goal. JVR has, I think, three goals already this season. Um, so it, it the Flyers were a really good team. You know, they're, they're now kind of ra- uh, rattled with a couple key injuries. Uh, Philip Myers will, will be a week-to-week guy. It looks like we're going into a shootout here. Um, it's a 4-4 game. Uh, you know, Philip Myers is going to be gone for a while, week-to-week. Uh, uh, Morgan Frost will miss a significant amount of time. Um, and then the important one is we really hope that it's only for a few more games, but you know, Sean Couturier, it's very clear, uh, you know, how the, the, the flyers play both offensive and defensively. I mean, this is the defending Selk trophy winner, which is the best offensive forward in the NHL in the entire national hockey league. You know, that the flyers have the number one guy and that's Sean Couturier and he's hurting. Um, so, you know, the, the Flyers are, are 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 visibly struggling without the Philip Myers and the Sean Couturier. Um, Morgan Frost isn't really a big loss to me. I, I think Morgan Frost doesn't belong in the NHL right now. I just don't think he's ready um, to to play the – I don't want to say, you know, they're hockey players, so they're used to it. I was going to say vigorous schedule, but um, they've been doing it their whole lives. But I just don't think Morgan Frost is a guy that's ready to – contribute consistently uh, for the Flyers, but if they're going to have to keep, you know, making roster changes on the offensive side, you know, Morgan Frost is going to keep getting that opportunity. He's young. He's a little child, um, basically compared to me, of course. Um, So we'll see where that goes. I think the Flyers have a really good team. And I said this in the beginning of the year, I said this on Dan's, um, uh, his live feed that he, that he had, uh, I think we did last week where the Flyers are one of the only teams in the NHL that I could think of off the top of my head that has four lines that they can roll out in that ice and can beat any team in the NHL. I really believe that. Um, and I, I I think they have really good leadership. Um, they have a, a really good coach, man. Elaine Vigneault is so good. Um, Carter Hart, you know, despite tonight and despite the game, the first game against Buffalo, I think um, I think Carter Hart is a is a goalie that can be a, a Vesna winner eventually, whether it's this year, next year, year after. He's so young, um, but they have a goalie. They have a goaltender in him, um, a a number one um, purebred stud in Carter Hart, in, in my opinion. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, I'm excited for the Flyers. I think they're a really good team. Uh, I'm not going to come in here and talk about the Sixers because I have not watched one Sixers game <laughs> this season. I'm not an NBA basketball guy at all. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to come on here and have all these huge opinions on like Ben Simmons. Cause I don't, I don't really watch. I just know from what I hear. Um, and that's just not a, it doesn't look like a very good uh, productive situation going on, on that team right now with, with Ben Simmons. Uh, but uh, evidently, uh, Joel Embiid is the MVP of the NBA right now. You know, I see box scores, I see highlights, and he just looks absolutely dominant. He looks like, you know, with this new coach, he just has, uh, I guess, a new lease on his career in terms of motivation, um, stamina, durability, hopefully. Um, he just looks like how, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to compare him to, um, one of the most dominant players to ever play the game in Shaq, but 
It looks like to me he's the kind of player that um uh the Flyers just lost in the shootout. Um, by the way, to Boston. Um, you know, you know, and B looks like the kind of guy that if he wants to do something on the court, just give him the ball. He's gonna do it. No one's gonna stop him. He's probably one of the two or three most unstoppable players in the NBA right now. Um, so so good for them. Uh tough loss tonight for the Flyers against Boston. Uh, we'll see how they come out. Uh, in their next one, um, not sure what they're going to do with goalie here. I think they're probably going to go back to Brian Elliott. Um, you know, he, he had a shutout. Um, Carter Hart now has given up what 10 goals, 11 goals now in two starts. We'll see where that, where, where that goes. Um, they play Saturday at Boston. Um, these back to backs with, with these teams, with how the NHL season is going to go. It's just going to be. It's going to get heated at some point. Got to love it. Um, all right. So um, huge day in Philadelphia sports, uh, a brand new leader for the most popular and the most cared about team in the Delaware Valley, the tri-state area. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. They got their man, Nick Sirianni. So please, Nick, uh, coach, um, focus on uh, Carson Wentz, please. Let's get that superstar back on track. Um, and I, I'm very confident that that's going to happen. Um, all right. Uh, I am Christy Francesco. You guys can follow me on the Twitter. Find me on the Instagram. Eh? I'm all over the social media. So if you guys want to follow me, uh, go find me and, um, and yeah, uh, keep up with me that way. Uh, this has been face off with Chris, uh, through the enterprise sports network. Thank you guys so much, uh, for tuning in. Uh, if you have anything you guys want me to talk about, uh, anybody, maybe you want me to try to get on the interview, like beat writers, stuff like that. I can try some players. That's really tough right now during, especially the off season with the NFL, uh, in season with the NHL, um, and baseball is always kind of a difficult thing, but I will do my best. Uh, just let me know. Um, all right. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and weekend, and I will catch you guys down the road. Have a good one. Bye-bye.